0: Hello, welcome to My Small Gamer. I'm your host, Rob. Uh, I'm a little bit sick today, so if there's some coughing and some other elements through the stream, or I feel a little low energy, I understand it's because I have a flu at the moment or some sort of cold. Anyway, it's Friday. Uh, it's around 11am, which is when I go live Monday through to Friday. And I'm with the Twitch chat, yeah, who I love hanging out with Monday through to Friday. We discuss all sorts of things. Specifically, we mainly review uh, Rangers movies now. That's mainly what we are. Uh, but sometimes we do Warhammer content. Now, uh, if you kept track with the latest news, you'll see that Games Workshop have released their first video and article, uh, not their first MetaWatch article, because we all remember the famous MeatWatch articles, uh, more on that in a little moment, but they have released their first, uh, like what we could say, professional uh, MetaWatch article, and I'm going to be talking about it today, specifically because it covers Age of Sigmar, and specifically because it's very similar to c- content I create, which is great, like, and I'm going to talk about it in detail, I'm going to talk about how how it started, get into a little history, keep you caught up, and what my thoughts and feelings are on the fact that it exists and how they're going about it. There we go, okay? That's the intro, okay? Click through uh, if you want to skip the next bit. Okay, let's start with history. Let's start with the history of stats, okay? So obviously, people have done stats in war games for a while, uh, but specifically in Warhammer, they were fairly new. Uh, Shout out for 40k to uh, Pete the Falconi. Um, who produced a bunch of the early Eighth Edition Warhammer 40k stats, uh, and that was actually after that was actually after LLV. So he's a a Sheffield boy. Um, <laughs> uh, but lives in Canada, uh, in the northern wastes, so he had a lot of time on his hands, uh, watched my show, and I was like, I really wish we knew what the win rates for some of these armies were. And one of the reasons that we uh, wanted to know that, because at that time, Age of Sigmar was pretty ridiculous. Um, some things to talk about real quickly. Um, at the time, there, were, there, was things, there was this thing called Vanguard Wing, which was Stormcast Eternal Army, which allowed you to deep strike 60 wounds on a 2-up armor save that re-rolled into combat imagine teleporting a unit not outside of nine not outside of three into combat interlaced into your army and then 30 wounds on a two-up re-rollable save and then and then teleport that unit out and teleport a new unit in every turn and then there were people being like there were people being like i'm really good at warhammer and i was like (laughs) are you <laughs> you? <laughs> uh thanks to uh, uh Tom and somebody at Payton for donating a thousand bits to the show. Um <laughs> And so uh, the veracity of how good an army is versus skill expression; those are two things that are always very, very important when you're talking about tournament gaming. Again, tournament gaming is a wonderful thing, full of really wonderful people. A group of people getting together to express their love and interest in a hobby. Some people are not trying to win the event, let's say, and you know, they're just to have some beers and play with their favorite army. Some people understand the in. in- entire nuance and mechanics of not only the entire game system, so they have something called system mastery, or they have a good level of system mastery, versus, you know, they understand how their armies work. Some people vary between all of those things. And those skill expressions on the tabletop is the thing that I've always been personally interested in. That's why when working for uh, Games Workshop, having already been a tournament gamer myself, I set up live streaming tournaments for Games Workshop because doing that meant that we would actually be able to see people play Warhammer well. Battle reports are where we get to watch people play Warhammer okay. And that's not their fault. That's because battle reports are intrinsically incredibly hard to do. Because if you asked yourself, could you play one army well at a tournament or on TV, your answer would probably be like, maybe. If I asked you to do 22 armies over the course of the next few months, you'd be like, it's next to impossible. And of course it is, because... it it, it just is I don't think there's anyone who can play those armies that well all the time so they make mistakes which is why you see the YouTube comments where like they made this mistake they made that mistake it's just not fair right so what I thought was we'll take tournament war gamers, we'll stream them and we'll put them out okay because skill expression is great okay but skill expression with armies that are too good kind of like doesn't feel particularly strong which is why anecdotally which is why, anecdotally, the thing that we set up, like, uh, sorry, anecdotes for this army's too strong or this army's too weak, uh, was pretty much how Warhammer was done business wise uh, about, uh, where were we at, five years ago? Roughly about there. And and that's incredibly modern. This Esports already existed, esports already existed regular sports already existed like stats were a thing uh the warhammer community i.e the gaming community and specifically people who don't really play the gaming community is kind of always trundle along on its own not really paying attention uh, to a bunch of stuff um uh but like they, it was anecdotal they're like oh this is too strong and they're like you're just saying that because you're not as good as me and i'm like well deploying 30 dudes into your terrain into my army doesn't actually feel that good or you're that good at warhammer anyway so then LLV came along and was like, don't worry, Rob, I'll help you put this information together. And I was like, that's great. So it was a bunch of uh, tournament results that we put together, and we put together the first early Age Sigmar stats. Now, they weren't super pretty. Um, they were in some Excel spreadsheets, like, you know, they were classic kind of like nerd stuff. Uh, but it gave us some real good indication on how armies were performing, how players were performing, and how the meta was devel- and developing. It was great, okay? Real obvious stuff. The obvious bit that maybe some of you aren't aware of and why maybe even to this day The Honest Wargamer and The Honest Wargamer fandom is fairly protective of the stats is because the lashback was incredible. Like, the fury, like, from, like... Some tournament gamers, uh, but also like and a lot of tournament gamers who were very much embedded with Games Workshop at the time. So you had like what we would now deem their influencers. Uh, so they had like a group of playtesters and and other people who uh, who were incredibly negative on the stats. Uh, like you know all the DMs flew. Uh, people were screaming at people. People were blocking people. Um, it was pretty insane as a as a reaction. And also pretty mentally jarring like let's be honest like um, I think over the past five or six years I've become like a little bit more attuned to being able to just be like Do you know what they've just got a bad opinion it doesn't matter it doesn't bother me uh, but at the time it was actually pretty withering uh, to have many community leaders and I mean many community leaders outright hostile to aggressive towards the stats and the stats creation and and what they really said about the state of the game Uh, and also Games Workshop. That's also really important to note and also Games Workshop. Most of these people either had a direct relation with Games Workshop or a direct relationship with Games Workshop or were... Ipso, like they were effectively talking for Games Workshop. They were Games Workshop's mouthpieces, effectively, because they got some free books, which is a pretty low bar to set for your integrity. But like that's a that's a snide comment I didn't need to make, but I made anyway because I never really had much respect for them. These people to this day have me blocked, um, like or like are rude about the stuff that that we proceeded to create. Anyway, we trundled along, um, and the stats were pretty. Uh, the stats were pretty horrific. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like we had uh, that, that army that I talked to you about, where it it did the deploy into your army, it existed for nine months in the game. Nine months, um, uh, which was which was pretty wild. Uh, then you had some follow up stuff. Uh, you had like Daughters of Cain, who for several months, and I know, I'm think I think thinking back I might not be exactly accurate but like 4 to 5 months were at near 80% win rate yeah they had at least over a 70% win rate but it was in the high 70s and it was a, a significant um, uh, amount of time i remember now even today that it was only 2 to 3% of the meta so it's specifically good players playing with this army this army was next to unbeatable uh, at the time uh, then we moved into a bunch of like really high spiked armies like skaven flesh of courts uh, also zinch as well uh, and then you follow up with Sinesh. and so that's just kind of the straw that broke the camel's back in a lot of ways because after this we had been doing warhammer coverage like like both live streaming events at the weekend but also uh following the stats for, for a significant amount of time now a lot of, now is at this point when you get the casual and or um or it's not really meant to be a competitive game apart from now we get to go back into the journey a little bit i know this is going to sound like a lot of pretext Before we talk about the MetaWatch article, I get it, so feel free to skip ahead. But I think all of this is important before I discuss the MetaWatch article because there's been no one else more intimately involved in doing the stats or being a part of the stats. Sorry, being a part of the stats is a better way to describe my role as opposed to doing the stats, which very predominantly now for the past few years has been Rob and Ziggy, but I'm going to touch on those in a bit uh, because those are wonderful people. Um, But it's important context, and I think it's super worth talking about. Okay, um, uh, Where was I? Uh, Like, the, the win rates. The, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, Games Workshop. Uh, oh, yeah, the casual players. There we go. Uh, The people are like, it's not meant to be a competitive game. Okay, so when I worked ga- internally for Games Workshop was when they released their very first GHB, or General's Handbook. If you don't know what that is, uh, that was, at the time, a yearly book where they would... Talk about, um, they would be like, this is how you're going to play Age of Sigmar this year. It's got open play, if you want to do open play. It's got narrative play stuff, and it's got match play rules. Okay, so that was directly Games Workshop recognizing that match play was a, there was something that they were selling and something that was a part of what they produced. They intended for the audience to play match play stuff, and they also released tournament battle packs with it, so you are intending to play this. So when anyone says that it's not meant to be played as a competitive game, Game Workshop literally have sold it like that for the entire of Age of Sigmar's existence, apart from, and this is important, apart from the very beginning of Age of Sigmar. Okay, let's cycle back. Rob, we're going deep into the history. We are, but it's important, okay? When Age of Sigmar was first released, some people may not know, it had no points. There were no points there was no system to build the army at all none of those none of those ways um uh, like you couldn't but you just basically turned up with some stuff and you put some stuff down that was it okay and obviously it was insane now importantly when i went to work for games workshop or one of the reasons they hired me because i was a tournament gamer who'd done a lot of social media marketing and the reason uh, that they hired me was because i was able to communicate and understand how gaming maybe should be related to an audience okay loads of other reasons a manager fancied me but those are side notes for for deep dives another time (laughs) now the important part the important part is um is that it was a flop it was ridiculous like it, it like it, it it didn't nearly destroy the company but it was a disaster a disaster so much so and if you'd like to go back and look that a man called Alan Merritt the the genius behind this move uh, got golden handshaked out the business they were like you need to get lost off you go created the marketing team so in some ways uh, the flop of uh, Vegas Sigma upon release was actually really excellent for us as war gamers because it's produced where we're at now which I'll talk about in a minute which is in a fantastic place we're a day after the leagues of vote and apology from games workshop which again as a community because i'm a community member is great but we'll talk more about that as well the important part is is um it was a flop a disaster and because of that they were like we need to rescue this thing we've invested loads of money we've invested loads of time we don't know what to do what the fuck do we do so they created a marketing department which they'd never done like they didn't have one like So then they were like, right, here's a marketing department. We need to get this going. And some of their early stuff was really pushing Age of Sigmar because they were like, this thing was a fucking disaster. It had great success early because what they did was they introduced points, points, okay, for their units, army construction, and they made a battle pack. Now, Age of Sigmar was already being made competitively because of a person called Mo Ashraf. He made something called Mo, Camp, uh, Mo Comp, and people were playing a lot of like really popular game systems based around that. Okay, right, that's where we're at. So, I'm in a marketing meeting and they're talking about the numbers. Okay? GHB's just come out, massive spike in sales. So the the marketing manager at the time, some other guy I can't remember his name, he was like it was a big meeting, big meeting, like loads of people in there, big big deal. Um, loads of people were like, Oh, it's going really well. Like, I think we this video we made did this and this other thing did this, right? And all these other things. And I said, But we can we can clearly see that marketing towards tournament gamers was incredibly important and, and upticked our sales. Creating a tournament game with these miniatures so that people could play was incredibly important and did spike these sales. That's 100% a fact, correct? Like, and the answer was yes. He was like, yes, that's correct. The GHB has been a direct effect. And he was like, and it's the most significant. This is important. He said it was the most significant direct effect so it wasn't the social media marketing it wasn't anything else it was the deployment of being able to play the game as a tournament game that's direct from inside games workshop inside the marketing meeting in a time when and you have like you have you have your two cases you have did not do that and had that did not do that tank did that rise tournament gaming is incredibly healthy for war gaming wholesale i need i feel that that needs to be said okay because There are some people who are like, they think it's bad for the the hobby. And I'm like, it's ridiculous. Like, it's just a ridiculous statement. People coming together, having fun, enjoying what they do. It's insane. Anyway, okay, so back to the stats. We did the stats, and then we're at Sinesh. Straw that broke the camel's back. Six months of a 70% win rate army. That's an incredible amount of time. You buy tickets for your tournament, whatever. Okay, Rob, if that's true, why wasn't just everyone playing Sinesh? Because even though you play a tournament... You, why doesn't everyone support Manu? I don't really know who the good football team is. You support your team. you'd like it so that your team be that grotz, be that fleshy of course, whatever that your team does well. It's important to note that like you want to play with the things you want to play with and you want to have a fair shot at a game. That seems really, really relevant, okay and that's never really been true. Like you've been able to buy some stuff and do okay. But normally, whenever a book comes out during a season, depending on points levels and other stuff, there's like an archetype that does really well. So at that point, I said something along the lines of we should ban Sanesh online, and again, the bullies came out. Shouting, screaming, raging. And I don't really see why, and I still to this day don't see why, and that mainly because like, they were just making other people not have fun. Like, like, it's a tournament, sure, right? But it's a tournament that's meant to be fun, I reckon I reckon the people that play any competitive game to a certain level are, are at least enjoying themselves right um but it was a, it was it was a very weird time anyway covid came around um uh, and so kind of like everything fell apart cuz tournaments fell apart then at that point uh, in steps ziggy uh, or super babe love that guy um and he created uh, the stats as we see them now in a very very presentable fashion in fact let's just take a moment to to look at how they look um, so you guys can, oh, I don't know where my mouse is. Uh, you can see here. So lovely, right? And we've got all sorts of stuff. We've got overway, win, uh, over, uh, win rate and battle plan. So we used to only do win rates. Um, and then we're now taking into account what battle plans are played. The Prize of Galette is played the most, as an example. Uh, then we can look at four, uh, faction tournament meta representation. Yeah, and we can see that was always one that I really liked because if you go to a tournament, you're most likely to play against Stormcast Eternal, Silvernet, Nighthorn, Doors of Cain, and Skaven at the moment, as an example, right, depending on your local meta. And that also breaks down into, if you want to, which country. So that while that's true here, if we go to Canada uh you're most likely to play against nighthorn right okay so it becomes really interesting um okay and then uh we get to uh like win rates over time which is again fantastic again all new stuff and all of this is powered by rob not me different rob better rob rob hull uh, so Warhammer Rob uh, and um, Rob does all of the input in for this and, and produces all this and then Ziggy front ends it and makes it look like uh, The treasure that it is and it's all incredible stuff. This is something I created the positive win rate potential I want to see how likely you were to do well with an army Now the important part is and would we'll reflect on this a lot later is in the early days I was very much pushing for the game to at least have just between a 40 and 60 percent win rate every army in between those two. That's what I needed, right? Like, And then as time has gone on in the past couple of years, I started to crunch those numbers again and be like 45% to 55%. So if anything was over, we could again scream. Because at one point we were kind of okay with 62% win rate stuff. And then I was like, right. So it's kind of interesting. We started out like 78% is like, is where we're really like screaming. Then we pulled it to 60 and now we're pulling it between 45, 55 and uh, and and 60% and that's really incredible that's really incredible because we can see as a community because this isn't just me this is a bunch of people I already mentioned so LLV Ziggy and Rob and everyone else who's contributed yeah that's me but it's also all of the tournament gamers all of the people that have advocated for making the stats be relevant to us have more enjoyable tournament experiences it's everyone as a community we've crunched these We've brought these down. We've created this environment, which has been fantastic. We've made, we, us, have made this better. There have been things we've just ignored, that scenery rules, that we just outright ignored at events before. Like, it's really good. There's so much good stuff um, that we as a community have helped produce. At the same time, we've been able to even see that armies have underperformed and even create events so that, underperforming armies can just go and play at events together or, you know, people have given more points to armies to go play at these events. I don't 100% agree with that because I think Games Workshop themselves should sort that out, but there we go. Okay, so we, we're in a great place where we've got community driven stats by the community, right, which help us understand what's good and what's better. Then we can go over to Mark. Oh, one last thing. Sorry, I needed to talk out. So this is something really, uh, this, is, this is Mark who did this. So one of the other really cool things, if you go and look at it, oh, first turn choice stats is fantastic, obviously. Um, and then faction, uh, the, I always like this, the faction, the, how the sub-factions do versus the other sub-factions. Example, Sons of Behemoth, uh, Breaker Tribe is the most popular one, but Stomper Tribes are most successful in tournaments, etc. Um, and then we've got faction, uh, review matchups. Uh, we've got just so much data, which is just good. Then we've got head-to-heads, how two different armies do, which battle plans they do better on. And I'm almost certain if you go look at AOS Worlds, you'll be able to see, um, like all of the teams will have used this uh, to determine like what they want to pick in and what they want to uh, what they want to put in their teams and what they don't want to put in their teams. This is t um, again. That was uh, created by uh, the 40K community and put in together. Um, there are 20 pages of data. Ta- data? Like there's a lot. Right? Is important and it's all free and publicly available. Like it's all free with the methodology behind it. All available for free online. Okay. Uh, And then, uh, this is a really cool thing, if you go and look at an army, uh, and so this is Mark who passed all this data together, so if we go and look at a very popular, so the most popular army is Stormcast Eternals, here you go, Um, uh, or is this updated currently? I think it should be, Uh, oh no, maybe it's not, I think I've messed this up, either way, uh, over on the right hand side, oh there we go, it's on that side idiot. Um, so as you can see I've picked Stormcast Eternals uh, and as you can see Vindicators are the most chosen unit in like in tournament play. Liberators, Drake Guard, Dracothian Guard and you get down to here immediately like units never picked Evocators and then if there's something not on this list it means it's just never seen playing competitive play and this is talking about internal balance okay and this is a great thing that we've never we've only recently thanks to work from Mark actually even been able to have a conversation about because I've been fairly like, I've really wanted internal balance to be really strong, but I've really been pushing for at least the external balance to be good. And then you can start messing with the internal balance. And internal balance is which units inside the book aren't as good as the other units. Okay? So that's where we're at. So we're, we were already in a good place. See my video a few months ago, uh, a few weeks ago, about agency being in a good place. And then you can look at internal balance, right? And you can be like, right, okay, you never get to see these units in game. Like, what's wrong with this unit? Why is it bad? Why does it not work well? Why isn't the slang or war scroll good? okay really great stuff um uh okay uh so okay so then games workshop yesterday released uh metawatch okay all right so next up let's talk about let's uh let's have a little bit of a chat about the metawatch uh like story shall we uh before we get into this Okay, so Meta Watch story. Uh, Games Workshop, uh, a few, during COVID maybe, I can't remember when, maybe just after, started to create a bunch of MetaWatch articles. And they were effectively, and I think this is a fair review, they were effectively, like, fluff pieces that were, at best, at best, at best, very optimistic views of the game state, uh, cherry-picking information that really helped tell a story that was for them. Um to just outright lies. <laughs> to just outright lies. Uh, and then <coughs> one little bit of a relationship that they had with um, uh, with the Honest Wargamer crew and the T-Sports Stat Center specifically is the last time we saw a MetaWatch article. In fact, maybe the last time we saw a MetaWatch article at all, maybe, uh, which was a bit of a disaster for them, was um, they had... They had someone fronting a set of stats, which they had directly ripped from the stat source that you see in there. And again, we have no problem with Games Workshop using the stats from the honest, uh, from uh, T-Sports Stats Centre and the Honest Wargamer. Like, it's fine. Like, it's great because it helps the community. That's fantastic. But they had credited us and then they decided to take the credit off, which is, I mean, pretty shit. Like, let's be honest. OK, right. Pretty shit. Right, as well as like some pretty poor communications from them as a company. Okay? Like we took our time to take the piss out of the that's fine. Yeah, we went through that journey, that's good. And now we're at their first instalment of a new Meta Watch article. And straight out of the bat I'm gonna say I'm incredibly happy to see what this is now. Okay? I I'm gonna say that like I'm gonna stay straight off the bat, if you've just if you bothered to listen to that entire pre-story <laughs> as much as I think this is done in good faith and is great and I'm a big fan, probably not going to take my uh, my uh, my foot off the pedal in expecting a company whose interest is making money to 100% always be on a level with us as a community. Yeah. Now, I think that this is actually really on the level and I think they're being really upfront and I really like it and it's very transparent and I'm great about it. But I would always like to just be like, mm, let me just check that myself. I would always like to just be there as a community, if that makes sense. That seems fair. Right? That seems fair. We made it, boys, we got to the article. I'm sorry. How long did that take? Long time. That took a long time. I apologize. I apologize directly. I'll just put um I'll just put I'll just put a little uh, uh what's it called? A timestamp in on this one. Um uh was that too long? Sixty nine hours <laughs> Okay, I apologise. Right. I think that was that was fair summation for anyone who's new. You got every and matter whatever. Anyway, so share a moment with us, Rob. Uh I will. I will. That's that's fine. Uh oh well, you can do that in Twitch. Uh we're not do that right now. I'll do it I'll do it after. Uh, anyway. So as much as I'm like super pro, I've read all through this already and we're going to go through it in detail now, I actually, um, I actually personally think that as a community we should obviously not, uh, not, not let corporate overlords who haven't had the best uh relationship because i don't know if there's there hasn't been there's been no communication with like we still haven't had a sorry for not crediting crediting us right and in fact they didn't in this metal watch article even discuss the fact that this has already been done as a community but it doesn't matter like that's not important the important part is is i don't trust them but i like what they're doing and that seems fine because they haven't given me a reason to trust them like because they've been dishonest in the past but i'm really a, a big fan of what they're doing okay. Those two things can be true at the same time, okay? Um, all right okay. So let's have a look at the info, okay? So Matt, Let's go. Um, two stories in a week would be a stretch. I agree. Okay, so welcome to our new ACM I Watch series, in which we, um, uh, in which Warhammer ESM design team shares insights and analysis on the current state of competitive play. You know, the Warhammer ESM team, we're huge fans of matched play, okay? Um, each Monday, various team members will arrive at the studio ready to share the tales of conquest or defeat from the weekend tournaments they attended before we all examine the updated data from the others around the world. What? I actually haven't read that bit. They're literally going to do my show. Okay, I hadn't read that bit. That's the bit I hadn't read. <laughs> I hadn't read that bit. That bit's... <laughs> Okay, so if you don't know, every Monday I do a stat show where I, and to quote this article directly, examine the updated data from around (laughs) the world. I think that's even how I say it. Uh... (laughs) We're just going to pick a random time, say 11 a.m. Okay. It is fascinating watching factions rise to fall with shifts in the meta as players learn how best to wield their favorite faction, discover combos, and build counters to new threats. One of our most important tenets is mastery through defeat. Players should always feel that they can learn and improve from each of their games and should come away with new strategies and adjustments to their army roster. This is why game balance is so important to us. As an asymmetric game like this, any perception of inherent advantage for one side can interfere with your ability and learn to grow from experience. Did you just quote the, as their source? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Why is, I, I can't. Okay, I, this, I, this is fresh. I went into this all really enthusiastic. I need you to know that. Super enthusiastic. But now I know that they're absolutely ripping me off. I'm a little bit upset. Like, I'm a little bit jaded. Because I'm a bit like, just do something else. But I guess I'm just wildly good at what I do. And, of course, you're going to want to be like me. Like, that's that's fair. Like, they just want to be me. They want to be me in the chat. That's okay. Listen, if you're listening, James Rose, if you're listening, crew, I get it. I'm hilarious. Like, that's so cute, man. Just do it. <laughs> that's so sweet. Like, uh... Imitation is a sincerest form flattery. I agree. Like, I think it's cute, right? Like, let's go. One of our most important tenets is mastery. Uh, this is why the game balance is so important to us. In cycle, we'll touch on the following. How we gather, uh, gather data to inform our design decisions. The core terminology we will refer to in this series. Yeah. Uh, our current balance goals for the game. And snapshot of the current faction standing see where we see those goals. Um, okay. In this article we'll touch on the following understandable why why one would be jealous. Thank you. Imagine Games Workshop uh stat show with zero to that one <laughs> Uh, it's true. I shouldn't have done painting tutorials. Um our analytics pipeline currently brings in all data from games work, official Games Workshop events that are run around the world. As well... <laughs> right. So that's like three, right? I love this bit. So they do this in the video as well. We'll talk on this in a bit. They're like, yeah, we bring it in from all of our like eight Warhammer events. We have a year officially. Um, as well as the Warhammer, you see my games recorded in two popular community run events tools. Like, that's also like a slice straight away on the independent community. Like your game exists because of the independent community. Like I get that this thing is good, but just like know your place. Like absolutely know your place. You're stepping on the shoulders of giants. Mo." Is a giant. Like, you're stepping on other people's fucking shoulders, you should at least say thank you. Like, that's rude. Like, that statement's rude, and I don't like it. But anyway, we have more than 35,000 individual games recording in our database, captured from more than 1,700 events Okay, so a little bit on. um There's been loads of uh, Honest world gamer stands being like, where do you get this data from? And it's completely fair to be like, where the hell did you get the data from? Because last time we know they stole our data. Okay? Right? Or co opted our data. That's a better way of saying it. That seems fair right that seems fair um but my love to all of you like i know for a fact that they've been directly taking this from bcp and tto like they've got like um they've got no it's not called an rss feed because that's just for podcasts and stuff it's called something else api they've got an api set up right and someone on the back end is taking all the data uh, which having without really talking about who and what i know like like I know that that's something that we could have set up previously in the past uh but instead to make sure we confirm some data validity especially on certain ends uh we decided to not because actually there's a bunch of other information that we want to gather right so uh, there you go they also take data from uh one day events now if I if it was me okay if it was me I would only want information from sunday events why rob why do you only want information from sunday events well because at any noob can get together on a one day event and like just butt heads with someone else and i guess low skill expression wins are are as interesting as high skill expression wins but i'm only interested in high skill expression gaming i don't really like like when because we talk a lot about how armies are play right an army is either piloted or it's driven yeah uh, so, no, sorry, it either drives you or you pilot it, right, basically. And some armies do what they do and you're just along for the ride. Gargants are a good example. Yeah, but some armies you pilot, right? And then the difference between low-skill expression and high-skill expression is really that you're able to pilot armies well, right? Right. Um, uh so you can, <laughs> uh hey rob this is for the narrative g- games which gamers, not normal people that's also true uh anyway uh and it's also and also i don't think one day events are relevant like uh, and and z is actually you can put one day events in the stats as well there's a one day event button somewhere which also shows you all the one day event stuff um but there we go there's a na- massive difference between stats from the top in most games uh yes Okay. Uh, anyway, it's important to note this data is imperfect as we're relying on community-generated data while certain uh, certain events track our present data in unusual ways. Fortunately, given how low rate of errors relative to the size of the broadest data set, these generally have minimal impact on broader trends. Okay. And then there's a video. We'll watch the video at the end. Okay. That's important. A shout out to all my low-skill expression bros. <laughs> right, anyway, when we're discussing... I can't believe they're doing my show! Oh my God, I am brilliant. How good am I? Oh, like you've got to at least say that I'm brilliant and it must be so threatening that I do a thing that they feel like they must take over the thing that I do. That is amazing. Like, feel free to follow my Patreon and support me more. That's great. Uh, You should sue them. (laughs) Uh, Brilliant and humble. Like, allow me a moment. Allow me a moment to be happy with myself, right? Although, anyway, uh, when we're discussing game balance, things tend to boil down into two main categories. External balance measures the relative performance. I mean, watch any of my videos, you can understand this. We don't need to, I don't need to explain this again, as I've explained in many videos in the past, as the, a writer of this article may have watched. Uh, there are a number of metrics we monitor for both internal and external balance. That's bullshit. Like, you've started to balance. You've started to watch. No, they've they've looked at no stats previously, right? Like, it didn't exist. It was just one guy who was like, oh, I reckon uh, this is good. And that was it. That's how they did data balancing before. Right. Win rate is one of the key metrics for both internal. Oh, don't need that. Right. Inclusion rate. Okay. So that's meta representation win rate. Okay. So just stuff you find on stats right finally margin of error is statistic expression so this is bullshit right this is margin of error okay this is this is some bullshit that this is important to kind of talk about um so in the video and in this they talk about margin of error let's go through it and then I'll explain why finally margin of error is a statistic expressing the amount of random sampling error in the results in our data set in the simplest terms the more we split up a particular data set the noisier and less reliable the data will get we focus on a 60 day rolling average which provides enough data to reduce the margin of error to 5% across all factions this is still a significant margin it's entirely possible that a handful of skilled generals perform particularly well at an event nudging the average win rate up for a faction for a couple of percentage points this makes it especially important not to panic or overreact but rather be patient this is the bit why I don't trust them and they do the same thing in the video as well so one of the things that I've always talked about is that the the win rates for the army should settle between 45 and 55 percent yeah this isn't because I want there to be a five percent error right and that's how they're going to try and co-op the conversation I really do think I don't want there to be a five percent like like oh there's some statistical error that isn't true at all and instead actually I just want the win rates between, be, between those. So what they're effectively saying is, sure, he denies the are at a 45% win rate, but actually that's a statistical error and they're actually at a 50% win rate. So Cruel Boys aren't at a 39% win rate and there's statistical error up 5%. Similarly, Sons of Mehemet. So it's their way of saying that there's the 5% up and down. So it's like, oh, it's not as bad as it seems because actually it's 5% up, 5% down. Does that make sense? And then they've co opted the conversation I've been having about that. And of course, they're co opting the conversation. You can't be like, Rob, you're being egotistical. They're literally recreating my show Monday morning. Like, okay. They have said they want a 48 to 52% win rate, which will be hard to get. I agree. Um, This is not how Statistics Works Games Workshop. There's also that, right? This is still a sample. You have to be talking about statistical margins of errors to be serious, correct? Uh, This also means Snash could be 40%. Correct, but they're never going to pitch it like that, right? Um uh but forty five percent win rate could be forty percent by their definition. It could, but ha- they're never going to sell it as that, right? Of course. The the the, the, <laughs> the error in the unreleased data set that they have, right, is always going to be like, Well, we've looked at it and our error says it's up, not down. Right? Uh right, anyway, our goals. Okay. Now we've introduced the framework. So external balance. The average win rate for each faction should be between 45 and 55 percent. Agreed. If every faction has 50 percent win rate, a five percent margin of error produces the results in this range. There you go. There's the lie. Okay. There's the lie. That's how they're trying to fuck you. Okay. Take over the stats and then fuck you. Okay. um uh, right, we monitor external balance at various levels, by battle tomes, or at war clans, blah, 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 Internal balance, this is explaining the stats, which we all do, right? Now, the universal options one is great, love this, right? Uh, this is not a lie, that's how stats work. It is a lie, because they're liars. Because of all the lying they've done in the past. Like, this is how it works. If someone's a liar, and they repeat lies to you, eventually you're like, well, you're a liar, and you must prove that you're not a liar. So I want not only this, I want all of the Excel sheets, I want all of the working out, and I want the proof that you're not a liar. Because other, like, I'm not just taking them at their word because they've lied in the past. That isn't how things work. Like, this. Like, be an adult, right? That's why you end up with governments the way that we have them right now. They lie and they lie and they lie. Maybe they won't lie this time. Stop being a child. Be an adult human being, right? Um, right, it's good. Uh. Right. Games would simply be like, no, this should be 5% higher. Players are just having a skill issue. <laughs> anyway, again, important to know. I'm really pro all of this, okay? Important to know. This list comes in priority order. There's a reason. There's a list of reasons I'm excited about this. Number one, it's great. Yeah, It's great that they're here and communicating about it. It's great, okay? But don't, like, don't come in here and be like, it's a completely new day. They're perfect now. This is ridiculous. It's a ridiculous way to live. Anyway, this is really exciting. Universal Options, because I'm very excited about this. Um... Uh, Universal War Scrolls such as Endless Spells and Universal Enhancements such as Arcane Tome should be used in less than 10% of army rosters. They are useful tools and helpful level the playing field, but we want a stronger focus on what makes each faction special, unique, which is let's go, which is great. No more Arcane Tome. No more Master Magic. Let's go. So they should be nerfed to shit. Now, this is also going to be... like I I can't tell you how excited I am about this because this is rope which they have to wear, right? They're like... This is the same way as Games Workshop sort of saying sorry. This they have to own this, like they've said. We understand that this is too good, so we have to change this massively, right? Um, uh, like this is this is perfect because then we get so much good stuff. You like if you look at the recent Zinch Battle Tome, you're like, well, most of these command traits suck ass. Like these artifacts don't work very well, yeah. Okay, well, we're going to nerf Master of Magic. We're going to nerf something else. Now you got to take something else. Like, okay, well, in every single Zinch book, you're going to take Arch Demagogue as a command trait, pretty much. Okay. Okay, so, like, we're going to nerf it, okay? But then everything else is also a bad choice. So are you going to make those better? Are you going to do the work? Like, this is amazing stuff for us as a community. We end up with better options, more stuff to play with. Like, I can't tell you how excited I am about this because they have to wear it. Like, they've been like, we're going to own this. And that's amazing. Like, because then we get, like, we as a, co- as a community get, like, this amazing game system, which is already a good game system. Like, that's the best bit. Like, it's great. Like, I can't be more, like, excited about it. And if they don't do it, then this has to be full of bullshit. So they either have to be really upfront and on the nose and explain stuff to us honestly, yeah? And then they have to be like, yeah, we fucked that up.
1: We're sorry, we didn't get it right this time.
0: Which is great, yeah. <laughs> right? Or we, uh, like, or they just lie. The other option is just lie, of course. The other option is lie. Um, uh, uh, if you think, um, uh, right, question how, is, how could books be out of date? Immediately, of course. Because, like, um, Rob the cool Norway hoodie. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Um, Anyway, then they got our win rates. And their win rates is slightly different to our win rates. Uh, but they take in one day uh, events and our win rates currently aren't being updated. I think they're being updated tomorrow. Um, some interesting stuff in there. So this is stuff that's too good. Uh, defined as over 55%. Like, I don't really have much to say about most of this, to be honest. I already said that Nurgle Suns... Uh, this each one's aberrant. Um, it really is. This is just like one day, like, gazumpings. Uh, which don't really count, in my personal opinion. Um, although I do think Zinch is a good book, but it's lower, uh, basically. Uh, and then all the low stuff makes a lot of sense. Um, OCR, Screams, Spike, Cruel Boys. Save to Darkness is a great army. That 40, 41% win rate isn't representative. We know loads of people. Toby, for example. Um, uh, um, uh, Tom as well, I think. Was Tom actually playing the army? But Jeffrey, uh, Missouri has also obviously, uh, pushed. Uh, and also Toby from, um uh wait, did enwald as well like from Germany like we've seen like we've seen Cotet win go five o like five times, so like that's where we get into the real the next interesting part, right uh okay, this used to come up for the army you play <laughs> I don't to tell you right, um. <laughs> it's why you also need 5041 stats to see how army's going to a bit some matter correct. Uh, you that's also very important as well. Um, Beast Camera like I don't care about their, their... similarly, certain dominant war scrolls. Okay, so now this is the other part as well. So the other really exciting thing is obviously they're looking at internal representation and this is incredibly exciting because while they could potentially make pusky blight lords like more expensive points wise, like two twenty to two fifty as an example. Just picking it out of a hat, right? What they could also do, they'd be like, "Why the hell is no one taking Unit X?" Although almost all of the units inside Nurgle see play. Tbh, uh, a better example, I guess, would be Stormcast, where or Cities of Sigma, where we know that there are tons of trash units in City of Sigma, like just trash, and they never see play other than because they're trash. So then, but we know that the uh, if we go and look at our stats here, um, uh. Uh, like hold on if we go and look at the the unit stats wherever the unit stats are. So if we look at Stormcast Eternals, uh you can see oh no, but Cities of Sigmar is the one I was just talking about. If we look at Cities of Sigmar, that battle mage is ten percent of all lists, and that's also including allied lists as well. Like that doesn't include allied lists, which is in every silver neth list and a bunch of other lists as well. Uh, and then it scrolls down, but like there's a ton of units in there that just don't have any representation at all representation at all uh and the honest war gamer does believe representation is good in all walks of life um so more of that that steam tank in two percent of the meta let's go let's go i can't believe the steam tank is at two percent what are we talking about ladies and gentlemen in the chat who is that if you're the steam tank dude get at me right um I can't believe it's even in there. That's fantastic. Love that. Anyway, (laughs) anyway, that's just me being excited. (laughs) Um, So this is good because then if they're looking at which units are too good, not only are they going to have the ability to affect the external balance. For instance, if you just made Puskill Blights loads more expensive, then maybe the army just drops down and isn't as effective. But the way that you balance that would be to also make those units that aren't performing as well, Maybe be a little bit better. Maybe you make Playbearers a little bit cheaper. Who knows, right? The big fear is they do the 10 points, 10 points. If you remember from Eidneth Deepkin, when we had Eidneth Deepkin sat at 6% room rate for like two years. and then They were like, right, okay, okay. We're going to make Eels 10 points more expensive for three, but we're going to drop Thralls down 10 points or one of the other units down by 10 points. So basically the lists were exactly the same, right? (laughs) <laughs> like the, it was just they moved the 10 points around right which is not what you want okay uh, we'll use these articles to zoom in competitive metaphrases see touched upon internal balance internal balance uh, between sub-factions and universal enhancements and core battalions we we'll are plan on supplementing the series with a new MetaWatch podcast which will allow us to dive deeper into these topics we we'll are planning on an episode to your questions so please email them in topics can include specific data you're curious about um, or questions about our process um, How we handle team or double events, okay? Uh, game balance is an iterative process. We're constantly working to improve methodologies. We feel like we're going through the right direction, but recognize we still have a ways to go Well, I'm see sigma team would like to extend a huge. Thank you to everyone who's computer running or playing events or submitted feedback Okay, so anyway, just loads of fluff at the end. Okay, so first off like I'm very excited like <laughs> I'm very excited to do my own show I didn't know that like going in right I'm very excited I think this is great like because it shows a couple of things number one Games Workshop or someone in Games Workshop has put the financial resources into arming these people into being able to do something that's positive for the community which is great the real feedback will be when we get the actual like war scroll updates and we get the other stuff and we see how effective they are right and again how effective they are is something that we should track yeah not something we should let them tell us okay seems a mistake to just let them tell us okay now uh, i guess some people are going to be like you're just jaded but like i'm jaded because they like lied like <laughs> i don't really i know that sounds really like i don't am i just meant to always just like let it go it seems weird like uh, there's a genuine moment where i would genuinely really love this thing that they do to be outright honest and for the health of the game, because I think a more healthy, diverse game makes them more money, so for them, they should be orientated towards that. But for us as a community, it just makes us have a better game as well, which is really good um but also i I just can't trust them right now, like and I feel that that's fair, like maybe some people are like you're you're being over the top again. But like I, I I've I, if you didn't listen to the beginning of the show, it's been a journey. Like and it's been a pretty bad journey. Like I'm thrilled that we're here. I'm thrilled that it's <sighs> having set up live streaming games for Games Workshop. Like like you know doing all this early stuff and getting all that like snapback. Like I think that this is great, and I think it's great for the community. Um, like, I really do, but I just, right now, can't put my faith in them. Also, I don't necessarily have any faith in them, like, continuing this. Again, not to be rude to the people producing it, but if we look at the past, they had a podcast called Stormcast, which then they didn't do anymore. Then they had the official the official um, uh, Warhammer podcast, and they stopped doing that like they they have a real tendency to have these pet projects uh, and then they fall by the wayside voxcast is another one thank you right um and then uh, the other thing about it and this is kind of important is they don't treat their their they don't treat their members of staff particularly well in my opinion as someone who's worked there right and then one of these things that's important is that the turnover like if a lot of this is becoming because of james is putting a lot of really solid work in then i applaud james a lot like i think congratulations to you you should be super proud of yourself right like i think that's great but like if they don't treat him well if he's just like someone else made me a better offer then like who do they have as the talent like they don't they only ever have talented individuals they don't have a system for talent right if that makes sense okay um Oh, that was a really good interviews with artists, designers Real shame it stopped. Yeah, it did. Uh, we've been hurt for in this toxic relationship we have. Yeah, like, that's fair. Like, um, and I think we're in a good place. There's going to be a lot of people who say they're being negative, those people are idiots, like, and fuck them. Like, like, they haven't lived our lives, and they haven't lived our journey, so... Right on the bleeding edge of the
1: tournament scene at the moment. Oh, I, love day- it.
0: I love this guy. Like, I straight off. I watched. So I've already watched this, but we'll go through this in order. So this is James on the left. So this is our hope and saviour. Someone put a little, like, uh, little crown on his head. Someone maybe give him a little Jesus shawl. This is our guy, right? This is our guy on the left. And this is our intro. And this guy is just a cutie, right? He's just going for it. Like, you're in a corporate world. You've got to be super corporate, but you're talking about something you like. I mean, that's fine. Uh, James has a death glare. <laughs> he does have a death glare! <laughs> uh, presenter is way too happy
1: talking about Today's inaugural episode of MetaWatch, we'll be talking about all things... Oh wait,
0: is it Matt? Is it James Rose or Matt Rose? Matt Rose. James Rose is the 40k player, I'm sorry. Is this Matt? Matt Rose, yeah.
1: Data. So we'll be going through how we collect, track and analyse data in order to help us refine the... Comp- this is crazy! This is
0: absolutely crazy to come from Games Workshop. I'm going to say it again. Like, this is nuts that Games Workshop are putting this out as a product. I'm still reeling from the apology yesterday. I don't think you understand. Like, this is a bunch of boomers who, like, have been nepotistic, like, vile. Like, this is a crazy corporation full of the most insane shit, right? This is nuts. That this exists, right? Like, this is great. Like, this is huge, right? Um, uh, like, uh, okay. I'm amazed they built the studio. Well, that's the same studio that they do the the presenting from, right?
1: Competitive scene for Warhammer Age of Sigma, and joining us is Matt. So Matt, it's Meta Watch. What What does Meta?
0: Pot, pot, what does Meta mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay, really fucking bringing it to the slubs. This is great. Also, I love this as a cursory, like, video. This is great because it's only going to direct more people to my show because I'm hilarious.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So, meta in this context is referring to meta game. Mm-hmm. So, if you think about a specific game like rock, paper, scissors, right? The rules of the game I throw rock, uh, paper beats rock, scissors beats paper, etc. Sure. Everyone knows yeah. how to play yeah. the game. If you think of a meta, a meta is looking at the a strategic game on top of that. So imagine that in in your local community, people always threw rock, Mm. right? Then the best way to counter that would be to throw paper. Sure. Um, So you can adapt to what's happening in that meta. So you can have a very local meta of, you know, maybe your gaming club, a lot of players are playing death armies, and, you know, you need to find the right way to counter summoning units. Sure. Whereas at a broader tournament scene, uh, you can look at kind of who's doing well in the meta right now, and what you might want to bring to counter those lists.
1: That makes a lot of sense. So you've got to have an idea of what's happening in each scene.
0: <laughs> no, that isn't how they do balance. <laughs> it's how they previously did balance uh, at their terms so you can optimise yourself for the Google YouTube searches. Remember to keep looking at their terms. I mean, obviously. Like, obviously, I put MetaWatch into my, like, key search terms now. Like, also, <gasps> can I analyse what keywords they put into their video? I swear to Jesus, if it says The Honest Game in it, I'm going to fucking... I will, I will be rock hard. That's what
1: I'll be. In, and is that where some of this data that we're going to be talking about comes in? Yeah, absolutely. So what we do
2: is we pull in data from events being held all around the world. So there's a lot of... Uh, initiatives either internal so games workshop uh, we host a lot of events but then there's also a lot of community initiatives.
0: no you don't stop lying you don't host loads of events you host a couple of events and then the community hosts so many fucking more events than you stop it like a lot of events we've got like eight at warham world this year we've got like four in america next year it's like is we host a lot of five events that's not true! Initiatives ...to help track and, and
2: collate data from all of the events that are played. So we pull in all of that data, and we look at it
0: both at a global level mm-hmm. uh, as well as... Local. i got to say, big shout out, because he's obviously not English, American or Canadian. We didn't hear data, and I'm disappointed. I would have liked some data, but data's fine. That's fine. ...cool metas
2: uh, in different countries around the world to keep track and make sure that the game is kind of as healthy and balanced as it can be.
1: You say that it's local and and globally as well. And do you break them down between each one to inform how the games are? Because it's such a big piece. It's worldwide, isn't it, the whole thing?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, what we tend to look at at a local level is uh, what we call emerging metas. Mm. So in some cases, a specific region, you know, say Australia, might be ahead of the curve where Mm. people start cottoning on
0: They are not ahead of the curve. That's, that's, like, I love my Aussie bros. And you know it. Like, you know it. You know that that's fan service. Like, you got a bunch of Australians on board there. That's a good statement. That's a good, smart play. But come on, that was, like, that was fucking, that was some straight up. (laughs) (laughs) Bullshit. (laughs) Watch yourself.
2: (laughs) A particular kind of army build. Um, that does really, really well, or combination, right? The first people using Purple Sun in order, not for the uh, damage effect, but for uh, the Rend effect, combining that with Caradron Overlords or the shooting heavy army, sure. um, you know, that list starts doing really well. Yeah. And then other people start- Sort of uh, latch onto it. Latch on, and, yeah. Latching onto
0: that list and bringing it to event Go on, say net list. Like I absolutely fucking dare you to say netlist. list. Like... Just come on, say the word. Like they, were, they were clearly in a board meeting. They were like, what words don't we say? And so that becomes
2: a new emerging meta, something that we need to watch and make sure that that combination isn't too powerful. What do you
1: do when you do spot these things that are coming over the hill, as it were? How do you respond? One of the really important things...
0: Well, it's really easy. What we do is we make it so you get one extra VP for every unit that you kill. That'll sort it right out. Zero problems with that process. We're going to absolutely going to smash that like won't that that'll that'll be perfect like we've done it before um
2: <laughs> is to maintain a level of caution so it's it's actually really easy to uh, overinterpret data or hmm. overreact so there's something in statistics called the margin of error right so so effectively it boils down to the less data that we have uh, the less reliable that data is, sure. right? If we go sure. back to our game of rock, paper, scissors, and, you know, we play two rounds, and I throw rock both times, and you happen to throw scissors both times. Sure. You could take the data from that and say, oh, my god, my goodness, uh, you know, rock has a 100% win rate. This is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, rock OP. So OP. Uh, yeah, rock's really uh, much too strong. So, you know, that's why you have to have the scale of data. Mm. So while we can... Uh, see emerging trends from local data or from very very recent data. You know, looking just at one weekend. Sure. Uh, if we were to jump on that too quickly, we might be overreacting to just one particularly good player that mm. did well with a list, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so what we tend to look at is we tend to look at a 60-day rolling window of global data uh, to inform the broader uh, decisions that we make.
0: So you know, we'll we'll get a Yeah, all right. Okay, yeah. Like, it's not thrilling, but it's important. Like, there are so many people they have to explain this to. Listen to the beginning of the show. Like, they have the same colour scheme going on as you, Rob. (laughs) No, this is red. Oh, this is blue on the right. Red on the left. (laughs) I've only just noticed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay just, just ignore that that's fine all right thank you uh never thought i'd to hear games talking about this the
2: suspicion yeah. will have a hypothesis of oh maybe this combo is too powerful let's watch it um and then we'll you know build reports specifically digging into that mm. but wait for that global data to come in to validate that that was the correct that hypothesis. Makes sense yeah yeah
1: Okay, well, let's focus on Age of Sigmar, then. What I, don't think, of you... I don't
0: think anyone's personally insulting anyone in the video. Like, uh, this video is pretty interesting. I'm not sure about the guy at the bottom right, though.
1: <laughs> it's fair. At the moment, what have you been looking into? What can you tell us about what you've been looking at?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, one of the really interesting uh, things in Age of Sigmar, of course, is that relative to other uh, games, you know, if you were to take chess or rock paper scissors we already mentioned age of sigmar is a highly asymmetrical game right it's actually one of my favorite things about the game is the incredible variety of lists and rosters and and factions huge that exist right you have everything from uh armies with a handful of mega gargants, huge hordes of zombies literal gods on the battlefield right?
0: right and so zombie build is actually last year matt Just FYI, we're doing Blood Knights now with Nafarata, but that's fine, continue. You know, what's really interesting there
2: is trying to separate out player skill and, you know, one player outplayed another player uh, versus uh, inherent uh, imbalance between those asymmetrical armies, right? Mm, mm. Um, And that's really what we're trying to get at the heart of. We want it to be a fair and compelling, engaging experience for all players. And so we're always trying to fine-tune that asymmetry mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that it feels fair for both players.
1: Yeah. Okay, so we've got
0: this. You lost a lot of casual players there, bro. Like, this was a lot. Five minutes for casual bros was... There's They're not going through that. That's, like, you just got us. You've got the people who are already in it. You lost them. Like, I don't think you got them. Like, I need snappy. Like, uh, oh, what's this guy's name again? He's super nice. Can't remember his name right now. Like, he's he's bringing that energy. And, like, we're getting the right information. Good speaker. But you're losing all the casual bros. We need we need punch early. Right? Uh, you would never have the casuals. We One day, we'll have the casuals, right? It's
1: data, man. We've got the graphs and other bits. Now you've got it. What's your goal with it? What do you do now? How do you make sure that factions are right? Yeah, absolutely.
2: So, you know, what we're looking at when we get all of this data in, uh, in particular in regards to external balance, which is, uh, you know, one faction. What's really exciting is,
0: is I know that the two people in this video are watching this video because we know that they watch all of our stuff. So just a special shout out to you. Thanks for watching and being fans. I, like, it's kind of interesting knowing that like we don't talk. Like, you're not allowed to talk to me. No one's allowed to talk to the Honest Wargamer from Games Workshop. But it's actually kind of sweet. Love you. Like, keep keep trying your hardest. performance relative to
2: another factions mm-hmm. is to try to get all the factions within the, a 45 to 55% win rate. Okay. All right, so, what I mean by win rate is very simply uh, the number of games they win relative mm-hmm. to the number of games they play. Okay. Um, the reason that we target 45 to 55% yeah. is because of the margin of error that I referenced earlier. So, um, you know, when we have a limited window of games and we want to keep it recent, so we only look at the last 60 days worth of games uh, to make sure that we're adjusting to the meta right now, mm-hmm. the factions that have... Do you say
0: 60-day rolling window, but the, the meta is... Like, isn't it three months? Isn't it like GHB, Battle Scroll GHB? So I guess that they need time to like... You can adjust on the fly there, right? Like, it depends how... Like, it doesn't matter. We could go into that later
2: the least games played have about a five percent margin of error based okay. on the number of games that we get right so we don't quite know um is this
0: faction too strong or did a few players just do well at yeah that's true listen if you're going to rip off my color scheme my profile and everything i do at least subscribe to the show come on the pair of you that seems at least fair tournaments sure. with
2: them, uh, over the past 60 games. Yep. right Um, So because of that 5% margin of error, you can imagine if every faction were perfectly balanced, if this was a game of chess and white and black were actually not perfectly balanced, but close, that you would have a 50% win rate, right? So if everything was perfectly balanced, but we had a 5% margin of error, that would give us a 45 to 55%
0: target. That makes sense. Um, Did you hear that? Did you hear that? (laughs) Matt Rose subscribed to (laughs) you.
2: Did you hear that? That you would have a 50% win rate, right? So if everything was perfectly balanced, but we had a five percent margin of error, that would give us a 45 to 55% target.
0: Uh Randy, Randy, they hire all sorts of people. I'll have you know. Randy. Um uh like uh, God, I just want to... <laughs> where is the donation like in the case they want to do? <laughs> Anyway, like, we could talk about that a lot, but I've already said it in the pre-show, right? So, anyway.
1: That makes sense. Um, So that's what we aim for. Excellent. Okay. And so, what are we looking at right now? What's the studio looking at at the moment?
2: Well, so, you know, if we take a look at
1: that... We're watching the Honest Wargamer agency.
2: External win rate, you know, the data, what the data shows. uh, We have a few outliers. Um, So we tend to look at those outliers and try to figure out, you know, why is it that they're either over or underperforming? So an example of that is Sons of Behemoth. Sons of Behemoth have been performing uh, quite well uh, over the past months. They were actually pulled down um, in win rate by The Hunt, which is a limited battle scroll that we ran, uh, gave an incentive for taking them down. But what we see in their data is that they actually don't...
0: Uh, Again like I said at the top of the show and I've said through the show, this is great for us as a community. I've said it several times, multiple times. The roundup will also be that it's great for the community. I don't know at what point that's been missed where I haven't said that. Right. But I'm also like, it's not like zero or one. I'm allowed to be like, this is good. And there are issues or that it's good. And here are some things like, it's all, thank you very much, Tonsembu. right? Like, uh, like there we go. They
2: overperform in winning events. Okay. They really overperform in not losing. Uh, so it's very rare uh, that they'll have an 0-5 result. Okay. Uh, and that's because of the mechanics of the army. They're really, really
0: tough to kill. Why is it an 0-5 result if you're taking one-day event results? Like... Like, your methodology is always going to be based on 5 Os,
2: And they're really, really good at holding objectives unless you kill one. So a lot of players uh, will come in and just not be able to have the damage output to take down a Mega Gargant in a turn to stop them from holding that objective. Mm. So it's very rare that every single game they have, they'll lose. Because usually a couple players they come up against just haven't uh, (laughs) adapted their list. To be able to take down a mega
1: garbage. Sure, and you you mentioned a, a zero five like as a term of of winning. What, what does sure. that really mean for these? Yeah, so I mean we track a lot of events.
2: Uh, the two most common formats for tournaments are either a three game tournament or a five game tournament. Yeah. Um, so when I refer to something going zero and five or going five
0: and five, five and zero, sorry, uh, it's the relative. We do it all the time, bro. Like it's so easy. The amount of times I've said someone's gone four and zero and it's four and one. The real tough one that's gonna fuck you is three and a draw one. It just there's no good way to say it. There's no good way to say it. Three one one, three and a draw one. It can just it hurts the brain to say, right? Remember, they are taking one game events. They are taking one game events. What? Rob, is that correct?
2: amount of games that they won versus lost
1: yeah so is it more from the kind of when the players play back to you how their games went when they went 0-5 or 5-0 uh-huh. or however these
0: thanks to lewis fitzgerald for joining patreon yes let's go anyone wants to join my patreon please feel free results are going
1: is that where you get the nitty-gritty the bits that you can really play with yeah,
2: I mean, it's a great question. So there's, there's two terms called qualitative and quantitative data, right? Uh, so qualitative data is is exactly that, is asking players, talking to players um, and saying, oh, well, you know, why did this list do so well? Why mm. why is mm. this so efficient? What, what's the key? And quantitative data is just looking at the stats and, and saying, okay, you know, we have hundreds and hundreds of games played. Um, we can analyze that actually it's this combination of units uh, within these rosters. So one of the things that we do is to fully parse all of the army rosters as well um, as part of these events. So we can see exactly uh, what the lists were, what the units were, what the enhancements or or strategies were. It's really important actually to strike
0: the balance between those two uh, kinds. Okay, so this this is really excellent. Okay, so like this is my favorite bit about the whole thing. And the bit that I'm actually... Uh, oh, is that you, Lou Dog, in the chat? Thank you, Lewis, for joining Patreon. Anyone who wants to support the show, feel free. Uh, that's how you get your independent news and media from me. Uh, also, spicy painting tutorials. Um, <laughs> this is my favorite bit. This is my favorite bit, 100% of the, of the way, uh, because here they're like, we're talking to people about what these results mean. Because you could be like, oh, Mega Gargants are doing really well. And they might be like, we'll reduce their damage. And you're like, it's not the damage that's the issue. It's the survivability. It's what they do as counting on an objective. And then you're like, oh, that's great. Because sure, the numbers will tell you why it's a thing. This is why I've always said... I've always said the stats are really great, but you need someone who can interpret the stats well. I hope that I've done a good job, but I'm one of the few people out there that's been trying to. So it's a bit of being like the best in faction when you're the only person playing. Right. So I've tried my hardest to do that. Might not have been perfect. Some people might not agree with some of my takes. Right. But at the end of the day... Thank you to Not Games Workshop for donating four pound twenty to the show. This is Not Games Workshop. Thank you to you for our job. Promise as a as a as a as a surprise. They're always underpaying, even in a donation. So I appreciate that. Um, so like you know. Ultimately, I think the fact that they have other people analyzing the data, and hopefully it's a bunch of like switched on tournament gamers without any particular biases. This is one of the things that we've seen from the playtesting process. They've had many playtesters who've been biased. They've uh, they've been buying, like we've seen no nerfs. There was a very famous time when I described the Daughters of Kane being far too good. Um, And then we saw No Nerves to the Daughters of Cain during a winter FAQ. And then we saw some of the head playtesters all painting their Daughters of Cain army for an upcoming large event. When you have that sort of nepotism and internal sort of... um, uh, like disregard for f- a fair playing field. Uh, there's also a great question that you would hope that none of these people who are advising on this stuff are going to be in Age of Sigma Worlds teams next year. Otherwise they'll have up to a three month advantage over other teams around the world, which again, is uh is is preposterous and something that i would definitely be um uh i would i would advocate for that not being the case because if you are discussing stats you're discussing a player fair playing field then you actually want your competitive environment to be a fair playing field like you, you you want that you want people divested from their own ego of winning events or their nation's ego of winning events or whatever that is um and sure insert playtesting isn't an advantage meme right here right uh, uh, now the the best argument you made was the frost art phoenix got a buff and that was because a Boy like bought like four it's true the frost art phoenix at 315 is insane like how that hasn't changed in points but it doesn't matter um, wouldn't it like, how do you create a hiring policy that removes bias from humans, though? Like you, I'm not asking for 100% removal, right? That That's not the point. You can just be transparent, right? The very best thing that they could do is they could just pay people. They could just directly pay people. And then they could just be like, these people are on our payroll as people who test this and test that, right? Right? Uh, there we go, and then you just you know you can just put asterisks next to their names, right? You could say sure, like this season in in your nation, you're not going to be part of the rotation for the season, and they're going to rotate you in and rotate you out. Like I mean, ultimately, a lot of these people probably like uh, the the people who they're talking to about this information won't be getting paid. Maybe they'll get some free app codes for the codexes. <laughs> Like, 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 you know, like it would be great if the multi-million-pound profit-making company could actually pay these people. That would be a better process uh, and, again, would create more clarity, which I think would be more healthy. Again, always more upfront clarity is better for us as a community, which is always what I say. Um, uh, like... Uh, yeah, it's not like when the USA team... Yeah, like the, the the 40k US team was famously... So for 40k and the WTC, the USA team was famously made up of a bunch of 40k playtesters and also their head of events over in the USA. And then this just caused a massive stink behind the scenes. Uh, and eventually all those people kind of got removed because like the rest of the community were like, bro, you're literally giving all the information months ahead of time to these people so that they have a significant advantage like it's just like like and then and then the organization be it aos worlds be it uh wtc they can't seriously take themselves seriously as an organization if they allow that level of corruption to exist right it's just not true or they can let it happen and i'm going to talk about it on the show like that's how it works right that's why i'm here right no gods no masters right but we'll continue
2: kinds of data um, so you know we gather all this data from events around the world we look at that build our hypotheses you know try to figure out okay i think this is the problem mm. but then it's important to validate that with a human element sure. so we've actually built a group called the metawatch advisors group that's made <gasps> up of
0: the metawatch advisors group oh, hello
2: who's it made up of let's go really experienced uh tournament organizers um, influencers from through, throughout the community um, that keep a really really close eye and talk to the players all around the world we, you know we make sure
0: wonder who that is I wonder <laughs> 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 no, it's not me I can I can categorically say it isn't me Right. But I assume all those people watch the show and my shout out to all of you, my love from me to you. Okay, Right. I will continue to do my job so that you can do your job advising them better. And of course, the all these people probably are like brilliant people who are great in their hobby and at tournaments and in their communities. And my love to all of you, of course. Right. That's important uh influences do give me a bit of bad vibes it's true but none of those people are me and that's important to note like so um and you would uh, like i guess they watch the show anyway they don't need to ask me they watch me listen to uh, talk about it all the time right um <laughs> 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 anyway <laughs> um.
2: um that keep a really, really close eye and talk to the players all around the world. You know, we make sure to run the changes that we wanna make by them, get their feedback, make sure that this is aligning
1: with that kind of human perspective of what we're seeing at these events. Yeah, absolutely. Because a lot of it can be, like you say, somebody finds a specific thing that they're responding to. And I'm guessing that can throw out quite a lot of the other things as well. If one army starts reacting in a particular
0: way, other forces, other factions might... Which I also like, is I love the idea that, like, we get away from the idea of, like, fucking... The magic source of a list. Like, it's such an old adage. And, and of course, it was true in the past where there was just the broken list. Um, I burned the bridge, hid the materials to rebuild, and regret nothing, lol. Or oh, the hot sues. I love you forever. Never change, never forgive. Right? Rob, well, can you tell the to give Acolytes two attacks in melee and let them be wizards? They're already wizards. No. Yeah, Acolytes are wizards. S- yes, they are. Yes, they are. Carrick Acolytes are wizards. Uh, but two attacks in melee. I'm sure they got. Mm, not sure start building differently
1: to cope with that and then win in a different way maybe before
0: yeah absolutely and and
2: you know what's what's really interesting and what we learn from that is also the combination of uh, player skill and uh, faction balance Mm. Um, so you know some factions can be very powerful but have a a really high skill requirement to extract that from from it sure Um, Seraphon. Um, And so sometimes what you see is you see the kind of higher level players moving to a faction that they see an opportunity in and and especially something that can counter the meta, something that can be surprising or unexpected to their opponents. Yeah. And then when they do well, other people will come in, but maybe not know how to pilot it quite as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So
0: that can kind of pilot what, Matt? Say netlist. Pilot what, Matt? Pilot, what, Matt? Wreck havoc
2: with the wind rate
0: and the trends.
1: Yeah, how the how the curves going? Yeah, exactly. yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for that. What? What?
0: Again, to to the chat, airborne scientist, non-subscriber. Don't know why I'm explaining myself to you, but here we go. I've said this. This is a huge positive, right? This is we're we're watching it, we're taking it on board, we're discussing it, and we're analysing it. That's great. Okay, that's what we're doing. Um. Wait a minute, are those fake hands? They're not fake hands!
1: (laughs) What can we expect from MetaWatch, as it were, in the future? So we have
2: uh, quarterly Battle Scroll balance updates. And and those are really where we uh, try to put what we've learned by analyzing this data into action, into practice, and and make tweaks and adjustments to Mm -hmm. the game um, to try to get that external win rate within our targets across every faction in the game. The next, you know, horizon, really, for us, uh, as we are getting closer to um, our goals for external balance, is to shift our focus and shift our lens onto something called internal balance. So internal balance is
0: within a faction, how many of the... Okay, let me tell you. Let me tell you where I'm at. Gluttons. That's all I'm at. Gluttons. If they put gluttons, if it's, if it's, if it's Battletome, Stonehorn, and if their motherfucking gluttons, right, aren't right next to that, like... So this is a, this is one of the interesting things actually. I've been thinking about this a lot last night. Like they don't have internal language, and again, chat, uh, 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 Matt and everyone else from Games Workshop. I assume you're watching. So some things that I think that you should do, yeah, my little tips from me to you is like as someone who reviews stuff all the time. Yeah, is you really need to start talking stuff like, and you need to start talking to the designers. You need to start talking to them about unit roles. Yeah, you need to really identify how different armies have different unit roles. And even though you've got three melee options, let's say in the ogres book, your gluttons can be an anvil unit, and your um, uh, your uh, not let belchers, um, uh, your iron guts can be your more hammer unit. And then you can uh, and then if you wanted your man eaters, which I'm not sure if they'll be in the book or I think they are in the book, your man eaters could do like some special utility stuff, right? And in that, you've got different unit roles. So sure, you've got ogres with melee weapons, but instead of just giving them different melee profiles, you really orientate what the unit is meant to do inside of a book so you specify because I think that's one of the things that they struggle with so so much they don't really have a difference in like they don't have a way of identifying how unit X should be different to unit Y and they really need to start really creating that for themselves So that and then, then feeding that back to the designers like not just like we need to give it plus one attack it's such poor language like you should have a goal for what the unit should be trying to achieve on the tabletop it also fits in so well with the narrative like if you can like combine those because then you can rewrite the narrative a little bit and be like gluttons steadfast in their ability to hold the line against the enemy forces like and then they've got right rules that they just like they hold the line right because then you've got like books that are missing unit roles and you can really start to like expand and extrapolate and be like oh actually we really like that unit role that we created for that army and we're going to integrate it into this army but maybe in a slightly different way right um uh, uh rob the value for internal balance is way off if one unit of gluttons is used in one list in 20 lists then they are okay like uh maybe look at rob's assuming these guys and not what unit rolls are like no, th- that's what i'm saying like brew bring the other guys back i'm sorry <laughs> 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 um uh like yeah you must uh the best invoice for this business consultation they can have it for free. Yeah. So Black Gravelord's missed nothing. Definitely nothing. Absolutely everything. A range of combat accounted for. Maybe a little bit of shooting wouldn't be bad. Faux Par Thanks for subscribing. Also, Bearded Wonder, a Vigoral TV, a bunch of people. Um, can you explain the rock, paper, scissors? Okay. So imagine you've got rock. Uh, yeah. This is right. Paper and scissors. Yeah. But then you also add dragon, lizard, and spark. And then you just have more. You, have, you understand what they are. All right. Uh, for the first time. So many abilities, auras give just plus one on rolls and hit something along those lines. It's so boring. It it is boring. You're right. Yeah, you're right. It is boring. And and, and this is really exciting for them because they're very close. Like when they start to go through this design methodology, they can go back to the designers and they can be like, okay, like this Formulator unit is like, because you just don't want a one for one comparison. You don't Formulators and Concussors to just have the same output and the same profile. Well, maybe you do, so you just choose the coolest miniature that you like. But what you really want is them to have slightly different roles, different purposes. I still like the idea of like monster hunter units. Like this unit gets a bonus against monsters. I'm like, oh, there aren't many monsters around at the minute. You're like, well, okay, that's really fun. Like, so if you have a unit that's good against monsters, a unit that's good against infantry, and a unit get good against everything, the unit that's good against everything is always the unit that's going to get chosen, right? Because um, it's just more effective because it's always useful in every case. But if you can have, if, like, if you can make those two cheaper, for example, and then make that one a little bit more expensive, so you're like, oh, I'm paying for the utility of being good up against everything, yeah? Or you just, like, it's just a really fun way of the whole thing being, like, working, which would be great, Um those are clearly fake hands. they are not fake hands. First B, thank you for subscribing. Um, favorite button rules where the abilities reflect the character of the model. yeah, like anyway,
2: the different worst roles get run at competitive events, right sure. How many options do people have uh, to build uh, a fun and wide variety of, of army rosters? Mm. Um, and so you know we have a lot of that data as well in terms of war scroll use and and percentage inclusion win rates per war scroll so Mm -hmm. you know which war scrolls are
0: in the lists that have a high win rate
2: um and that allows us to start to look towards
0: that's super interesting because then they're like okay nurgle's winning lots but actually the lists that are always winning are the puskill blightlords lists so those are a little more effective it allows them to choose outliers like it, it lets them identify the problem units quicker well not quicker but like lets them identify the problem units. making
2: either points changes or efficiency changes within each battle tome uh, to try to improve the internal balance as well.
1: You're really getting down to the granular at yeah, stage. exactly. stage. Yeah, and sweet.
2: it's important not to try to do both at the same time, um, because if you make too many changes, uh, you know, any good scientist will tell you, you know, it's effectively an experiment and you're trying to validate your hypothesis. Mm. Uh,
0: this is the other bit that actually becomes really interesting as well, like, so like there's also all of this conversation while also the release of several battle tomes inside of that mix and as we know those battle tomes significantly change the meta anyway so i do wonder if these three month cycles these 60 day run cycles with the three month updates while they might be able to bring up units that are weak i'd I do wonder about their veracity and understanding that they might accidentally put something, like, too strong inside of the meta without really understanding how it works, like we just saw with Leagues of Votan. And, again, this is not really their issue, as in Matt and the group trying to make sure that the game is produced better, but it's really on Games Workshop's, like, profit margin issue in that they don't put digital rules out and instead it's a printed book. So, because if they were going to sell us the digital ogre tries book in a few months or, or month or whenever it is then in that case they could be like oh, actually based on this current stuff that we're currently talking about we're going to adjust some of those points like even the evening before it could be part of a rolling conversation but we already know that whatever conversation they're having about the state of the game right now like because we know that the zinch book which just got on, uh, released this week was meant to be out in july which means it would have been in line with being able to control people's endless spells when Purple Sun was auto slay stuff on a one. Those things were meant to happen at the same time, right? But we already know now that Purple Sun got nerfed and that Zinch now's ability to control endless spells is a little bit reduced, yeah? Like, because actually I can't control your Purple Sun as well, right? But so, like, they're going to be fighting their own system. And again, the reason that I love all of this is because, like it's kind of like, it either just falls apart, which, like, is, like, could be a thing, but the other thing is that it's a systematic change, that, like, it's the, it's kind of like the the pebble in the river that eventually changes the shape of how the river moves. And I really hope that that's the case. Like I'm really, I'm gonna be a big advocate for this, yeah, in loads of ways, because I hope what it does is it changes the shape of that river significantly. And then you cycle this up to us as consumers getting a better product, which is great, right? Like even though the product's already great.
2: Uh, If you make too many changes at the same time, it becomes really, really tough to extract which of those changes actually made the difference you've lost
1: your control you've lost exactly your, your base. yeah yeah you have yeah, nothing
2: exactly. to to measure of okay were we are able to bring down the average win rate of magikin of nurgle which is mm. a little bit over the curve right now um, based on the changes we're looking to make yeah. We can measure that and say okay was that effective and then once that's in a healthier place we can start to move on to kind of the next order of changes
1: so what's the state of play right now well one of the
2: things i'm most excited about looking at the data that's coming in uh, is taking a look at recently released battle tomes and how they're slotting into the meta if we look at sylvaneth or skaven night uh you know recent third edition battle tomes and uh, what's really really exciting is that we're seeing them come in right on target right in the middle of the pack that 48 to 52 percent win rate the sweet spot um, um, the, the, the sweet spot uh...
0: <laughs> we nailed it we've seen that the game is perfect and we nailed it like and to be fair to them they've not done terrible I don't think they've done terrible. No, that's fine.
2: Uh, ...that we're looking at. Uh, and we're also seeing a huge surge in games played for those factions, which is really, really great to see. Tons of excitement. We know that there's a few factions that are underperforming. Um, Gloomspite Gits and Cruel Boys. Uh, def- right,
0: okay. Now this is the bit that's exciting, right? Because I have no idea, like, what the changes are going to make are, right? But, like, my my god the stonks market right now because cruel boys are available for literally pennies on ebay the stonk markets is massive right yeah this is important yeah we could be in a stonk meta okay this is going to be huge it's going to be if you don't 3d print your armies (laughs) which i probably always will do but like other than that like we're in a huge meta like for stonks which i'm so excited about the stonk market is going to change right Exactly, listen to these guys. Exactly. These guys are gonna decide the stonks. We we need deep dive stonk analysis of these guys. Right? Kits fixed. Plus one bravery bubble. The thing is, Pete, I think that they've spoken to people, and I think that it's gonna be better than that. I really do. Um uh, by the dip, let's go. Diamond Hands. Hopefully, they look at the power level of winning army and armies; those armies defeated. If I play against Gits a lot, my army will appear to have a high win rate, but my army may not be the problem. It's just that I have been playing Gits. I don't think. Yeah, I understand that, Andy Brooks. There's enough data out there though, like that you can like self identify like you can identify if you've watched every Monday show, which they clearly have. Like you can very quickly identify what the issues are in the list, right?
2: Definitely more love coming their way in the upcoming Battle Scroll. Cool. And then there's a few factions that we're really keeping our eye on um, that are overperforming a bit right now. So we've got Maggotkin. Nurgle um in particular
0: Puscoil Blight. Get fucked flies oh you are in the bin get fucked sell them immediately there's got to be a local noob who doesn't know anything about this game sell those flies right now you are getting tanked get in the bin right.
2: Light Lords and the Drowned Men sub-faction have been doing really well uh Sons of Behemoth uh, and then um, we've got Beasts of Chaos uh, with a couple of really efficient War Scrolls uh, combined with that herdstone in the late game. Yeah. Uh, it's proving to be a really potent combo. It's Rally.
0: Just say it's Rally. It's Rally is the problem. Rally is the problem. That's all it is. Especially in the hands of a skilled player.
2: Yeah. Seraphon are a really interesting case. Um, they.
0: Oh no. Oh no. Oh no.
2: They have been on the kind of upper
0: end of the standings for quite a while, uh, and they- How have they, how have they? You haven't put any other standings out. Where have you seen those standings, Matt?
2: Please tell us. They are coming down a little bit. It looks like some of the changes that we made to Thunder Lizard helped rein in their power, mm-hmm. uh, but now we're seeing players start to shift and we're keeping our eye on Fangs Absolutely and Sochak, which appears to be on the rise.
1: It's a heck of a job, man. Oh
0: no. Oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, oh no. (laughs) Oh no, this is a disaster! This is a disaster! (laughs) Oh no! (laughs) Anyway. Uh. Uh. Uh, stonks alert! Sell, <laughs> sell skinks! Sell skinks! By Soros Knights. Matt, there's yes. a lot to do. You've it's got so much fun. That's
1: huge on the external <laughs> level, and huge even on the internal level as well. From what you're talking about. But...
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's it's great fun, and I think what's really rewarding about it is is seeing the positive feedback from the community um, to things like the battle scroll updates, mm-hmm. um, and ultimately seeing the new data come in and you know, get closer to the goals that we're trying to achieve.
1: As much as anything else, it's very reassuring. You're getting this massive volume of data. It shows that people are playing these games and absolutely loving it. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, it, it's incredible seeing the amount of events from all over the world.
2: Um, I love digging into strange local metas and, and different communities around the world, really mm-hmm. zooming in and, and seeing what's different in different places around the world.
1: So, yeah, it's it's fascinating. Absolutely awesome. Thank you very much. Excellent. Thanks for having me. And that's about all for us here at MetaWatch. Remember to stay up to date with all things Warhammer on
0: warhammercommunity.com. Thanks again. Okay, so now, okay, so loads of things to talk about. First thing, can't wait to see the 40k version of this, right? I assume that next week is identical, a 40k version. If they only do an Age of Sigmar version every Monday, right, the fucking memes are 11 out of 10, right? That's where that's where I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna say because that's that's the the funniest thing I could have ever heard. Like they're literally like just rip off Rob and stay there. Anyway, right. So let's talk about some stuff. Right. Reading between the lines, 40k one on Thursdays. Have they said that jog is that 100% tri- Oh, yeah, on Thursdays because we do Thursdays? You fucking got me, right? <laughs> right. Okay. So let's talk about uh, some of the information. Number one, this is great for a variety of reasons, but like probably the chief reason is. They've given, the, uh, there's a term, there's as a, as a phrase, they've given themselves the rope to hang themselves, and that's great, because they've put themselves in a situation now where we benefit one of two ways. We either benefit because the whole game gets better, because they actually look at this stuff, enact it, and do positive actual changes, or they don't, and we get massive memes, right? And massive memes are fantastic, right? like because we like i mean what else are we here to do but have fun it's a hobby right it's meant to be fun and like like that's where i'm at now as a person like hobbies are fun yeah the game is fun like let's just have fun right but you're gonna do stuff like without like correct communication yeah you're gonna have people like gavin as a good example gavin one of the best uh age sigma players last year um uh putting out screaming into the void here but everyone who plays competitively is collectively laughing at games as watch take of thunder lizard are balanced and Fangs of so tech need to look at my current record of 26 to 1 with thunder lizard could use some improvements i suppose but then again that's also gavin who's got a very high level of skill expression right so you're in a really like really interesting place okay where Actually, is Gavin just very good? No, Thunder Lizard is really good. Like, there's there's people who can't play and people who can play. Again, which is why I would only really take data from days from Sunday events. That's who I am as a person. I, like, I don't want to see all the other people play. I just want to see the good people play all the time. Because um, that's fun, right? Uh, like, yeah, Gavin is 251 to 2 with the army. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, right, okay. So ultimately, it's great stuff, Right. It's great stuff, especially the fact that they've got a community, uh, like they've got an outreach group who they communicate with to actually analyze the data and discuss the data. Because that's really important, because they don't necessarily, like, they're going to make their own decisions, very much like I do when I do the stat show on a Monday. I'm going to be like, the reasons that this is doing well is because of this, yeah, and that's always That's always partisan. That's always just my decisions. Right. That's what I think. Right. Uh, Being able to talk to a group, you at least hear some other opinions and hopefully they take those opinions on board. Right. Because those opinions are more likely to be right, probably, uh, than, than, than the Thunder Lizard isn't good take, to be honest. Generally, don't miss five o lists get piloted uh, by people with rather. uh, Generally, don't most five o lists get piloted by people with rather good skill expression? Yeah, uh, Ronya, that's that's right. I agree with that absolutely. Most five o lists do generally uh, get piloted, but we have had times in recent memory, like if you remember. Um, Mega Gargans last year where they were they were like 10% of the meta but they had like a 60 to 8% win rate. So it was just pretty much everyone. That's why my favorite uh, stat still uh, that we do on the Honest Wargamer stats is the positive win rate potential. I think that gives a kind of like a little bit more of like a clear indication, especially versus like, um, uh, let me just go show you what I'm talking about. Especially, so it's positive win rate potential, especially when you look at the fa- faction meta representation that you have here right, on the left-hand side, so it gives you a representation. So Stormcast is the most played army, 9%, right? But they they have a positive win rate potential of 39%, so that really gives you, like, an idea of, like, across all of the different skill levels, the ability... So what you do is you, you do this, and you divide it by five O's. You effectively look at this information, and then you look at 5 O's, and you see how many Storm Catalysts have gone five O, and what they look like, then that gives you a good indication of an army. And then if we look at Sylvaneth, Sylvaneth have uh, the second highest meta representation, but their positive win rate potential is 51%, so you're just, you, you may be likely to go 3-2 with these guys, yeah, versus not. That tells me that Sylvaneth, actually, are a little bit good in some places, because everyone of every skill level is playing, but 51% is fine. Like, it's bang on the money pretty much. So actually that faction's in a very, very good place. Where you have, uh, so Nurgle, uh, no, not Nurgle, so Seraphon are a good example. So where is Seraphon now? Uh, Where are Seraphon? Uh, uh, So yeah, Seraphon are like the same level of Nurgle, but if you look, their positive win rate potential is 69%. So again, Nurgle, 57, Seraphon, uh, 59 right? Uh, With Skaven, even more popular, but they've got a 46% win, uh, sorry, positive win rate potential. What that really tells me is everyone of every skill level is playing Skaven about the same amount as Seraphon, but there's a 20 percentage point difference in your ability to go between 2-3 and 3-2, right? So to get more wins than losses. That's always been my way of really recognising if there's a significant problem with the army because what you're really discussing there is representation, like it becomes really difficult when you get down to like Blades of Corn, Right? Because you're like, not really many people are playing. But, like, it gives you a really clear indication that either Seraphon's too good, which I would argue it is, versus um, uh, Skaven, who aren't quite good enough. Because a person of every... So, if you're, like, the best Skaven player in the world, you can only do so well. But, if you are, like, uh, like the best Seraphon players and also average Seraphon players, you still got a positive win rate potential of 70%. Right? Um, this is gold. Thanks. Well, that's why... I always discussed it and again I've been doing this for four years so there's like a lot of lessons that hopefully the Games Workshop people will learn from people like me or the Falcon who've been doing this full time because we've been able to like look at this data time and time again and go back to people like Rob and Ziggy and LLV um, and just be able to say look I would really like it if we could pass this other data because that's actually I think a better way of understanding what's going on in the game right um uh, uh Like so, yeah. It's just five percent up, five percent down. Seraphim, <laughs> yeah, That's true. If we just add five percent, take five percent away, then everything's fine, right? Then that's fine. Ultimately, um, it's great. Okay. Ultimately, it's great. I really do believe that. Like that's from the bottom of my heart. It's great. It's good that they're doing something. Um, it's good. That, like I mean, it's great. Like it's good. I like. I like. Even the fact that they're. I, absolutely just ripping off my monday show he's like i give a fuck like it's good like it's really good it's good because like the company have to abide by what they do or the thing falls apart the worst thing is the thing falls apart that's the worst thing the best thing is that um we get a better game system which is already a great game system right um like you can't Uh, Do the Tuesday show next, Games Workshop. (laughs) I mean, that sticks in my craw a little bit. That does stick in my craw a little bit. That's a fair point, like, to say that, like, a multi-billion pound corporation, steal our stats and then steal the format for a show. But it's a compliment, I guess. Um, I'm not going to stop doing the show uh, because, I mean, I'll probably do it better. Um, I mean, that's the easy answer. Um, And then, yeah like fun so like that's the that's where we're at now in the game uh, and with that stuff and I hope that's come across as like positive or balanced is probably the the correct way that I want to describe that because I've been really upfront with saying that like I think it's a really positive step for them as a company and for us as a game system and as a community the stats were never my stats they were produced by other people they were fronted by me they were the community stats they were for the community, so the community could get better and the community's got into a progressively better place over time. And I gotta say that I feel like we've had some part in it. That's me, that's everyone who's ever subscribed to the show, that's everyone who's ever supported the show. I feel like we've made that push better. I'm really proud of that. Like I think that's something really good. Like, you know, like it's only ever upwards for us as a community in my opinion. Um so, like, yeah, I'm super happy, which is good. Uh, but anyway, uh, my love to everyone in the chat. Thanks for listening. If you watch this YouTube podcast, blah, 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 blah. please like and subscribe, blah, blah, blah.